And the lady said something like, you know, yeah, Judy, she's incredible. She's our, you know, our founder or whatever. And I'm like, oh, she bred it up. She don't look like she got a whole lot of bread, but that's how they do when they multimillionaires and all that. That's what they do when they about to touch a billy. Yo, he said, well, she was a nun and she took a vow of poverty. Oh, wow. She took a vow of po- I've never, ever heard that a day of my life. She took a vow of poverty. And three, two, one. You're listening to The Real Social Proof Podcast with Mr. Sleepless for Suckers himself, David Shand. Let's get it. Welcome to another edition of the Social Proof Podcast. It is I, David Chance, and Donnie Wiggins, the illustrious, the amazing, the beautiful, the uh, incomparable Donnie Wiggins. Y'all, we just had beef right before we started airing. <laughs> <laughs> I we, knew she was going at we, it. We had a little argument, so he's just being it wasn't suspicious. A, you know you, know, you were arguing with you. I don't appreciate any of your compliments today. Putting that out there. That is yeah. me on my uh, my growth journey. Okay. My journey of growth. Okay. Well, I appreciate your journey of growth. And you know what I love about a good journey mm-hmm. of growth specifically is the challenges that we must overcome on that journey. A hundred percent. And I feel like now that I know that that's where you are, I, as your friend and now accountability partner, should hold you accountable by throwing out some really tough challenges um, every now and then, like 100%. today, just to make sure you've really grown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Going to do that. Do you want to? Do you want to do it? That like, are you? No, that's it. Okay, cool, cool. That's it. Only the um, studio audience gets to know. But so here's my my philosophy on life is that um, you can't control things, you can't control people. The only thing you can control is how you feel and the things that you do. So. So you can't control whether somebody cuts you off in traffic, but you can control whether you yell at the person and they can't hear you. Or sometimes your heart starts racing. You're so angry, but your anger doesn't do anything to help the situation. Mm. And that person is going about their day. They're not worried about you, but you are so frustrated and flustered. Yeah. And this is a this is a journey of everything. I mean, in 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 me approaching it this way has definitely um, helped my marriage. It's helped my my own peace. Mm, do you so, feel lighter? Um, a little. I've a not, little. I've only ever seen you angry one time. Mm-hmm. When was it? I was angry? Mm-hmm. When? You were angry twice, actually. I've seen you angry twice. Really? Mm-hmm. One time was at the E-Complex. Uh, it was about an interview that we had done that after the fact. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then the other time uh, we were attending a concert or something. And yeah. We'll leave it at a... that. I wasn't angry. You were angry. No, I wasn't angry. Because <laughs> we were both were there, right? We were both there. With the tricky tickets you saw? Tricky tickets. Nah, <laughs> no, I, actually, I enjoyed it. We were, we were having it because it was fun. Because you were there and we understood the situation. We just... On the way there, though, there was a little anger. I get, fr- I, I don't know if I would use the word angry. Frustrated? I get frustrated. Okay. Yeah, so my, you know, Joe and Reese, they'll see me frustrated sometimes. But I don't get, you want, would you ever use angry to describe a mood I've been in? Nah. Yeah, I get frustrated for sure. Well, if that was frustration, then I take it back. I've only ever seen you angry once. Like, wait, heavy once. frustration. Yeah. Yeah, but have you like, seen me angry? 
Yes, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like a lot? Not a lot, but I've seen you angry. Yeah. Yeah. Once. A couple times. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I, I, I don't felt like Dottie's going to hit somebody on, on multiple occasions. <laughs> no way. He's now, not serious. But the only, the only thing we can control is, um, is what we do and our attitude about it. And what's crazy is I don't think we necessarily even have as much control over our emotions. Mm. Our emotions are our emotions. It's like, yo, we... We lash out or something like that. And after we think about it, we're sorry. And it's not that we said, you know what? I'm going to pull this emotion out of it, out of me, and I'm going to use it. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can control that. But I've, and I think I contribute this to, um, it's a pro and a con, actually. Because I feel like I do have great, great control over my emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's hurtful because I can't necessarily go certain places emotionally with people, right? So my, if my daughter, Corey, she's going through a real emotional time, I can't really connect. I can be encouraging. I can be a father. But I, I can't go to that emotional level with her. You know what I mean? So it, it's a gift and a curse. Would you say you struggle to show and express compassion? Um, I think I have compassion for people. But do you express it? Do I express it? Uh, in what way? Are you ever empathetic? Yeah, empathetic, yes. But in terms of maybe connecting with somebody on how they feel in a moment, mm-hmm. my mind automatically thinks positive. And sometimes you can't just... positive somebody out of a dark time. Right. I get what you're saying now. So someone comes to you with a problem and you're instantly offering a solution or the bright side of things. Yeah. And in that moment when it's fresh and new, that's not what anybody is looking for. Correct. Most times. So I don't know how to... You don't know how to feel that moment with them. Correct. Mm -hmm. And And I think intelligently I can say, I can say, okay, well, don't inspire the person. Don't motivate the person. But even as they're talking to me, I don't, I can't find the right words to navigate through this situation. Have you ever tried just asking, like, wow, what do you need from me in this moment? How can I support you in this moment? I think so. Lock that door, too, Joe, the front door. Um, y- yes. So I can. So if my wife is in a, in a moment, my automatic thing is, how can I? help or how can I support, right? But, you know, some people just have a way of comforting and coming off. I can say the right things, mm-hmm. but just saying the right things doesn't, it doesn't transfer an emotion to understanding. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you might be going through something and I'm like, honey, it's going to be okay. How can I serve you? Right? Mm-hmm. I might say that, but somebody that is like a master communicator when it comes to emotions, they can say the same things, but it'll feel different to you. Sure. So sure. I don't I don't have that. Yeah. Very, anyway. very surface level connection. Yeah. When someone's in crisis. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. All right. But well, I, David is not who you call when you are going through anything problematic or troubling. Yeah. 
I'm not, <laughs> like, no, I'm, I'm not. not the best person for that. I'm not the best person. And I know that about myself. Oh, I know cool. that. And, I, and I'm doing my best to kind of navigate through that. Um, but the situation has to come up more often. Uh-huh. But you no, know, I'm not the I'm not the right person. I'm not the best person to comfort you and like yo, I've been through some real life situations uh-huh. in terms of like both of my parents are gone. Uh-huh. Like I've been through like some real situations. But it hasn't affected me in a way that it would affect somebody else. Uh-huh. So if I can't, if I can't like tap into my own situation. Yeah, right. I'm not the person to call for that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Sometimes people who have a, who have trouble meeting people emotionally where they are do so because it forces you, it could potentially force you to deal with your own emotions. And that's mm-hmm. just not something that for whatever reason you are ready to do yeah. or desire to do at this time. So mm-hmm. let's, uh, let's shift gears. We are on the other side of an amazing weekend. You did yes. your thing at Thank Invest you. Fest. Thank you. Thank you. That Dan Kathy interview, y'all. I have been replaced as the BFF. I didn't want you to do it so you wouldn't have to expose your outfit. I yeah. like my support black colleges. You don't support black people? That's crazy. <laughs> I do support black people. You okay. just wash those a couple of times, I think. Nah, but, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, man. When you own the little lint balls that pile up on your cotton when you wash them a couple of times. Yeah, hey, yeah. man. When you're on the building, you wear what you want. Uh, ooh, you feel me? Light flex. Light flex. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, David interviewed Dan Cathy. Yes. I would probably say, not even probably, I would factually say, and this is no, there's no bias here, that you had the best interview of the entire conference. You think so? I think so. I know so. I was there. I had a short, uh, we had like 35 minutes to, uh, to do the interview because it was like running behind a little bit. And, um, it was cut. And I, I don't feel like I did my best work only because mm. I was conscious at the time because we, we were we did have an hour. Yeah. But um, yeah, I guess it was kind of running behind. But Rashad and Troy didn't even know that they cut the time. They're like, yo, I thought you had an hour. Yeah. So, uh, but it was really, really cool. For one, before the interview, Dan wanted, and I call him Dan because that's my we friend. We have to tell people who Dan Cathy is. Yeah, so Dan Cathy is the CEO, well, the the ex-CEO of Chick-fil-A, but he's also Truett Cathy's son, the person who built Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. Pass it down to his son, Dan Cathy. And Dan Cathy has been running uh, Chick-fil-A for the last, I don't know, 14 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, he just passed it down to his son, Andrew, mm. which is, it's just phenomenal. The fact that, and check this out, his dad built it so I think about 2009, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And then Dan Cathy becomes this, he comes to like uh, vice president or something like that. Mm-hmm. And from the time Dan comes on to uh, the time that he becomes CEO, it went from $1.3 billion or something like that to like $3.5 billion. Mm. Grew the company. Okay. He becomes the CEO. Ten years later, it's built to $14 billion. Meaning somebody who has a vision can pass down to their son the ability to, like, grow something. Mm-hmm. But what's cool is he just passed it to his son. And we'll see what his son does with it as well. But the, 
Like that's that's way bigger than passing down generational wealth. You have to pass down generational skill sets, generational yeah. leadership, generational, generational mindset. Come on. Mindset. So what was interesting to me, the first, I mean, just as soon as he sat down, um, there were a lot of amazing guests, but you have a unique way of asking the right questions. So even though the interview was only 35 minutes, you skipped past all the fluff. And you went straight into the things that you knew that that audience could connect with. And sitting in the audience, I was completely tapped in and connected. Almost as soon as he got on stage, he made it clear that Chick-fil-A is merely a small family business. It's just a family business. It's a family business. And in that moment, I was like, wow, look at how big this family business has grown and the majority of his conversation was about building a family business and how you structure it for generations. What's the percentage of um, business family businesses that actually make it to the second generation? I don't know. There's something really, it's like twenty two percent or something yeah, that like make that. It. That make it so. It, and and we'll go back and listen to the recording and correct me if I'm wrong. But it was like he said, maybe twenty two percent of family owned businesses actually successfully survive the second generation. So if you are building a family-owned business and your plan is to transition that company down to your child or a niece or nephew, someone in the next generation, there is a 78% chance that your business will fail there, right? And I thought, like, it just starts to put things in perspective. Number one, I'm building a family business, something that I'd like to be a family business. And you think, my family business could never be as big. Oh, I'm just going to keep it a family business. Yeah. It won't ever reach the the scale of a Chick-fil-A. And then you have Dan Cathy get on stage and say, oh, we're just a family-owned business. Mm-hmm. Um, but he gave so many nuggets. Maybe we should talk about that. I know you wanted to talk about something else, but we could also talk about the nuggets that he gave. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, one thing that he pulled out was that he said that... Um, a family that's born into poverty, like extreme poverty, have a 4% chance of getting out. 4%. If, you, if you're born into poverty, there's a 4% possibility that you will get out of that situation. Isn't that interesting? A 4% chance. I'm pulling up the which, notes that I took. Which means there are, there are like some, um, there are it's poverty is heavy. Yeah. Poverty is really, really heavy and it's hard to lift up because it's not just the lack of resources. It's maybe it's the lack of um, advice, the lack of mentorship, the yeah. lack of even thinking past. I think it at. has something to do with all of that. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. 
I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Um, and, and coming from being a person who's experienced poverty, maybe not on the level of which he was talking about, mm-hmm. because I grew up very middle class. And when I discovered like mm-hmm. rock bottom broke, I was an adult. I did that by myself. But I've been there, nevertheless, like needing government assistance and things like that. Um, it's, it is heavy. It's heavy emotionally. It's heavy financially. It feels he- those things weigh on you physically. Like you can sometimes like be in bed paralyzed by the fear of what your life will look like. Like I can remember many times just being scared of tomorrow. I remember many times being grateful. Dang, being scared of tomorrow. Being scared of tomorrow. Like I remember many times getting into the getting into bed, being grateful that it was bedtime. Because these eight hours that I sleep, I don't have to think about how I'm going to provide the next day or survive the next day. And so there are so many people in that situation where you're just like grateful that you're sleepy and it's time to go to bed because you're fearful of the new obstacles and challenges that you have to overcome tomorrow. Mm. So poverty isn't just a status economically. It's also a mindset. It also affects your emotions. and I think, you know, for a lot of people, they stay stuck there because the first thing that you have to overcome is your own self, like Mm -hmm. your own thoughts, your own thoughts about how you can escape something, but even your own thoughts about what you're worth. Like some people, uh, they they say poor is, poor is also a mindset, right? Poverty, poor, synonymous. And uh, what is it? Broke. You, You might be broke but poor is a mindset, something like that. I forget exactly what the saying is. Broke is is like physical. Broke is like, I don't have money in my hands. Poor is, I believe that I deserve to be here, right? Like you don't want to ever take ownership of poverty. This is just where you are in this moment right now. And maybe from starting in that place, it's really tough to move past it because if you are barely getting by, barely putting food on the table, barely have literally a pot to piss in, how can you mentally escape where you are and see something bigger for yourself? Dang, I think that just goes into your, it's a slim chance that any wherever we are in our life, I think we had a lot to do with it or not everybody. I'm not, I'm not saying people that have been in tragic situations, but if you are, um, if you've been working a job for 15 years and you don't have any money, that's your fault. If you've been working a job for 15 years and you don't have any money, that's your fault. Yes. I believe that to be true. I'm not disagreeing. I'm not sure if I'm in full agreement just yet, okay. but I don't disagree. So 
I only because I know that there's somebody else that had been at their job for 15 years. My man, y'all remember the security guard that they did the special on? It was a millionaire. The one security guard. Yeah, he's the older man. Like he just he he started. He, yeah, he understood like stocks and trading and stuff like that. He learned it. He learned it. He had no money. Like him and his wife, they grew up like. I mean, neither one of them was making a lot of money at all. Mm-hmm. But he somehow, and I don't know how this happens, right? Mm-hmm. He somehow had the idea to learn this particular skill set. In spite of his minimum wage job, one of the one of the worst things in terms of financial, financially, one of the worst positions you can be is to be an, a grown person with a family making minimum wage. It's one of the worst situations you can be in. But this person somehow got inspired and said, I'm going to learn this skill set. Terika was living under a bridge with her child and decided, had some sort of, you know, I know where I'm at right now, but I'll do what I can to learn this real estate game. I do a, a workshop with kids in the school where I say, well, imagine you are homeless today Let's come up with a plan. Let's get in small groups. Let's come up with a plan on how to get out of this environment. Mm. Because there's somebody on the street. Maybe they didn't put themselves on the street, but they never had somebody come to their school and teach them to think through their situation. Mm. So I think that I try to take um, wherever I am financially or mentally or emotionally, I'm doing my best to take, take responsibility for it because I'm... If I'm angry, I put myself in that space. Yeah, for sure. After hearing that perspective, then I I agree. If you've been working a job for 15 years and you have no money, and then we got to qualify what what no money means, right? But if you don't have any money, um, that is potentially your fault because we do live in a day and age right now. If you have a job, you most likely have a cell phone. You have Mm -hmm. access to the outside, right? Even if that means working through your lunch break to borrow a computer, but there's just so much access and opportunity out here right now, even for free. And that may mean that you have to put in a few more hours digging through free material until you find your breakthrough. But homeless people are doing it every single day. People who are, you know, almost, we hear the stories all the time where I was facing eviction and then suddenly this happened, or I was homeless living out of a U-Haul truck and then something, you know, suddenly something Mm -hmm. happened. Uh, you just said something here. You said that you take responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, part of the impoverished mindset is the lack of taking responsibility for where we are. What did you contribute to your situation? I was talking to somebody a couple of months ago, maybe maybe it was a month ago, and she was talking about how hard life is for her today. And she was talking about it and saying it's because her mom, you know, single mom, uh, didn't do, didn't support her dreams. And single mom didn't work harder to provide a better life. And single mom didn't work harder to put her in better schools and, you know, this, that, and the other. And I said, well, how old are you today? And she said, I'm 39. You're 39 years old, still blaming your mom for your financial situation Uh today. And one of the, my favorite sayings, one of the philosophies that I live by is we are all born looking like our parents' decisions. We're born looking like our parents' decisions, but we die looking like our own. Mm -hmm. 
And I think the quote's wrong. I think you got no, that wrong. That's correct. We're born looking like our parents' decisions, meaning we're born I, into the light. I think the quote is we, we're born looking like our parents, but we die looking like our decisions. Because we look like our parents. That was the whole. <laughs> I think that's how but the quote we, goes. But we but don't. But we can. We do like our parents. It's my quote that I like. But you took it for where I... All right, go ahead. We're born looking... (laughs) Let me tell you How are you going to look like your parents' decisions? Let me tell you why. You're born looking like your parents' decisions, meaning when you are born, you have no say-so about where you live, how you live, what you eat, how you eat. You were literally born into all of the decisions that they've been making. You don't look like it. All right, go ahead. Nah, great point. Let's keep going. (laughs) Do you look like your decisions when you die? Absolutely. So you can't look like somebody else's decisions who's responsible for making decisions for you? Proceed. Okay. All right. So again, (laughs) you're born looking like your parents' decisions, but you die looking like your own decisions. And at some point, I don't know that there is a human alive that has not experienced some type of situation that they connect to childhood trauma, right? So we've all been there, done that. What do you mean? Say it again. I don't believe that there is a single human who doesn't feel like they've experienced childhood trauma, right? So we've all got a connection or experience with what we consider childhood trauma, and it looks different for every single person. And at some point, as a grown person, especially a parent, and that person is a parent that I'm talking about, you have to say, no more will I continue to blame my parents or my childhood for especially where I am financially in life because there are so much, there's so much information, so much access, so much knowledge. We no longer live in these bubbles where your zip code determines your full access to information. We don't live in those bubbles anymore. We now live in the day and age of everything being put on the world wide web that is free to access. And I see even people who live under bridges with cell phones who have Instagram accounts and and access to these things. So you have access. We live in a day and age where there are informational meetings all over the city, whatever city you're in, pull up to them. You find out about it, pull up. We just live in the information space right now and especially the digital information space. And there's no excuse for you to anymore say, this neighborhood is the reason that I can't be successful. Yeah, 100%. Before the internet, you know, and and many people who watch this have no experience pre the internet. Before the internet, we had no one place to go to know what information is available. There were no keyword searches, right? You couldn't just go somewhere and keyword search. I think the closest thing we had to the internet was the encyclopedia. (laughs) And so now there's just, there's just no excuse. You are responsible for your financial status and you are responsible. You have every opportunity to stay broke just like you have every opportunity to get rich today. That's true. And you know, I guess it's, it's two part. I say it's, it, it's our responsibility, but on another end, it's not our fault because if somebody just doesn't know, how do they know? Like, so slavery times, right? There, uh, what is the difference between Harriet Tubman and someone just that just stayed there. They're in like similar situations, but it was something inside of Harriet that said, I'm going to go. My life is not, my life isn't 
And maybe her thing was her life isn't as valuable as the freedom of her people. So if I have to risk my life for the attempt, and maybe if they catch me, they'll kill me, but it'll inspire a whole bunch of people and they can't catch us all. So Harriet took her life and her destiny in her hands. But I'm sure there's somebody that she talked to that said, hey, let's go. And they said, no. Yeah, that's why she killed him. Well, she didn't kill everybody. She killed a few of them. Well, on the road. I'm talking about like, let's say they're on a plantation. She's working and someone's next to her like, yo, we're leaving tonight. And she yeah. says no. The yeah. person says no. She doesn't kill them. It's saying, yo, I'm going to go too. But the point is, the person that she talks to that says, no, I'm not going. It's not that person's fault that she doesn't like own her life and say, I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. It, she's afraid. Yeah. And Harriet you know Tubman I mean? was born a slave. Yeah. So Harriet Tubman was born into slavery. It wasn't like she was free before and then captured yeah. and held slave or enslaved. She was born into slavery, which means that chances are that the people who she was freeing or not were mm. also born yeah. into slavery and had a very similar experience. Um, but who knows? Maybe she had a, a conversation with somebody who says, sure. I heard that Black people were doing something different in, in different parts of the world. Mm. Maybe she had a conversation with a white person that said, I hate that y'all have to live this way. Maybe there was that small kind of conversation that mm. happened that made her start dreaming and seeing herself differently. Um, I think I think it's just our innate. It's innate. <sighs> Not innate, it's innate. That's I'm why I talk about your story. No, I be wanting my I sister to do well. You know what I mean? It's innate. I think that we all have this innate feeling or something, that's not the word that I'm looking for, inside of us that knows that abuse is wrong, right? Like mm -hmm. animals. Animals know that abuse is wrong. They know if you hit them, that's not right. Babies know if you hit them, that doesn't feel good. So I don't think that she needed anything to convince her of that. What was the breakthrough moment, though, that said, I am not going to be fearful or I'm going to be fearful and push past this fear anyway and I am going to set myself and a bunch of other people free. Yeah. Freedom, fear, fear had the people who said no, fear had them in a chokehold. Like, mm -hmm. there are some people who say, I would rather just survive. I would rather just take this torture and survive the pain and just get to live to see another day mm -hmm. because death is so, the unknowns, there's so many unknowns attached to death. And maybe now in life, people feel the same way. Like, I would rather just stay here. At least some people just understand how to survive in poverty. They understand, like, I know all of the variables. I figured out everything that it's required that's required to be broke. So if I make a decision that's different and attempt to free myself from this physical brokenness and this mental brokenness, what if I fail? I don't know. Am I going to be in a worse position? Am I going to look worse to my family? They don't know the unknowns, and that could also be scary. Yeah, and I, I guess the the question is, what is the difference? Like, so we were at Invest Fest, twelve thousand people there. We all see the same interview with Tyler Perry or Dan Cathy, and somebody, somebody is taking that information and they are running with it. Mm -hmm. Something happened. Same message. Something happened inside of person A that says, yo, this is what I needed. This, I 
All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. I got it. Yeah. And maybe it wasn't practical stuff like you do this, and the first step is this, but seeing it, mm -hmm. something happened in person A. Standing right next to person A is person B, who is inspired and motivated. But by the time they leave, they are themselves. Mm -hmm. And then there's person C who wasn't moved one way or the other. At all. That they, was on Instagram. That was, oh, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, they got nothing from the message yeah. whatsoever. I'm person A. When both Tyler and Dan Kathy spoke, I'm person A. I didn't need the practical steps. I needed the story. Mm-hmm. And because you shared the story of what has already happened, that's all the evidence that I need now that if I want the same thing to happen, let me now reverse engineer this yeah. and figure out how to make it happen for myself. And then there's the person who says, man, I want that, like David said, but they didn't tell me how. They didn't break it down. Well, step mm -hmm. one to building a family business is this, that, and the other. Not everybody needs the same thing. Um I don't know what the difference was between the Harriet Tubman and the other person who said, no, I, I would like to believe it makes logical sense to me to believe that it was fear. Like nobody, they died brutal deaths. They lived brutal lives and died brutal deaths. And if, if at that time you're telling me this has never been done before, yeah. I've never seen this successfully happen before, but I do know people who tried to escape the plantation and they were hanged or decapitated or, you know, anything. Their children were killed in front of them. I know that's happened. That's all I know factually. I don't want that. So I'm just going to stay here and take my beatings because it's better than hanging from a tree. Is it, are some people designed to succeed and some are not? You know what's crazy? I am the person who Harriet talks to and they say, do this. And I say, nah, because I'm nervous. Let me give you like some different scenarios. I might see somebody and I want to get them on the podcast. 
<laughs> Neo says, yo, go ask him. Like, set, put it together, put a play together. And for me, sometimes the scenario has to be right. It has to be the right thing. Harriet, you got to have a train. You got the train? Show me the plan first. You got the train, and then the person will come get us. And then, right? I need to see that plan. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm good. So there are some people. So my man Trell, uh, he was at Black He was not Black He was at, um, at InvestFest. And he was telling me Saturday night, it's like after church, we go to church together. He said, uh, he said, oh, I, he said, I'm not worried about getting in. I'll just get in somehow. I'm like, bro, they got tight security. He's like, oh, I'm not worried about that. So I see him inside just walking around freely. No risk man or not. I'm like, how do you do that, bro? He's like, oh, no, nah, we good. It's just, you know, you just got you just to talk and make it happen. You know how tight it was at Tyler Perry's session? They wasn't even letting people back. They weren't letting all access past people oh, have out all access. Crazy. And in the VIP section. So I, I'm a speaker. And I go to get Joe. He got this little band on. And I'm like, I'm going to get him. I'm like, yo, Joe. I'm like, he's with me. He's like, nah, he can't come. I'm like, yo, but he's that's my guy. And he's like, not this He's time. like, nope. So I walk back to my seat. <laughs> and here come Trail, just walking around. Yo, yo, he's just walking around the VIP. He ain't even got no band on. No band at all. You know what I mean? Like, Joe had the wrong one. He don't got a band on at all. And I'm like, yo, how how he do that? He just, like, try to find a seat or whatever. And then I, I didn't think about it at all. And then I guess uh, Tyler Perry started talking to somebody. He was talking about somebody. He pointed out somebody in the crowd. And the person stood up, I guess, the person he was talking about. Everybody claps. And Trell texted me and he said, um, he said, oh, I'm going to get in with Tyler Perry. I'm like, go for it, bro. <laughs> and he says, the girl he pointed at, she's sitting right next to me. I'm like, how you get that? You got better seats than me, bro. Like, what's <laughs> up with you? But like, there, there are some people that just fear, the concept of fear, the fear of tolerance is so low. Like, I don't have a, like, I'd be afraid of stuff. I'd be afraid of like getting caught of doing stuff. We're going to talk about you a little bit. Unscrupulous activities. <laughs> like sometimes running a play. You know what I mean? It's just... Not doing it. I don't like to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people just don't, they don't have that fear. So is it just designed that way that some people will go after it and some people just never will because nobody's going to inspire them to do it? That's crazy. In my 20s, I used to be trail. Mm. Maybe even in my 30s, I just used to be, I, I was never afraid. I will walk up to anybody. I will ask for whatever I wanted. And most times I got it. Just, I would always end up like in the room. Today though, 40 plus year old Donnie, I don't have time for it. Like I just, yeah. I don't desire, I don't know. I, you know, you know, like you said, I'm hardly ever outside. I hardly ever want to be out and in a position to do that. And I'm trying to think of what the difference is. Um, I don't know. It can't be age. Don't because, coach me because I'd be afraid of like going after, I don't go aggressively after stuff like see, that. See, I'm a go-getter. Now, if I decide that there's something that I want, I'm going to get it, period. And I'm going to get it, like just period. That's just always been who I am. I think now for me, it's not that I want less and less. I just am more comfortable paying mm-hmm. at this point. Here, mm-hmm. just take this little money because, you know, Whatever the process, the payment isn't always financial. Whatever the process is, I'm just cool with going through the process because yeah. I know either way it goes, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. But I don't know. 
I'll start asking, you know, I don't care. I'll ask anybody. Hey, the problem for me with that is, though, especially in this space of celebrity and people who we want to come on the podcast, we just live in a different time where everybody just feels a whole lot more important than (laughs) they actually are, right? And not even that, I don't want to be disrespectful to anybody's like success because that's not what I'm attempting to do. But people walk around now, even even some people in our circle, they walk around like everybody owes them something. And if you want to get close to me, you have to exchange whatever it is that they feel like you owe them, you know, in order to do it. So maybe that's what I'm not attracted to anymore. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, meeting. Uh, I want to talk about my uh, my best friend. Uh, pretty much, me and Dan Kathy are best friends. I got like, demoted. Seriously, we're like, you have no idea. We're just cool. The first time we got on the call, I called him Mr. Kathy. He said my friends called me Dan. I said, Dan, are we friends? He said, Yeah. I said, Great, this is cool. We do the interview. We get he gets there earlier than our our call time, and we start talking. What's interesting is he kept asking me stuff about me mm-hmm. and my family. He yeah. just kept asking me, like, okay, so tell me about your family life, man. What's going on? And then we got into, like, a, a, a deep conversation of, I forgot how I started talking about my lack of emotion. And we're just, we're just like, having a conversation. And, like, it turns into therapy almost. And then, um, first off, Dan is just super cool. He goes into a building, 12,000 people. This billionaire is just walking around by himself. Just, just, <laughs> just walking around. Blending in. And he's like, oh, yeah, some, somebody gave me some of their books. I was like... <laughs> That's what's up, Dan. He's just chilling, like just, just so comfortable in who he is. And some of us be having security. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? But ain't nobody, he's not worried about that kind of stuff. So we have we we're having a conversation, and then we do the episode, and it's really, really cool. He leaves, I leave, and Dan Kathy calls me. Come join the most amazing live mentorship and accountability group for entrepreneurs every morning. The, the, the Morning Meetup. Do you have a business idea you need to get off the ground? Do you currently work a nine to five and are looking for supplemental income? Come and network with like-minded individuals and take your business to the next level. Every morning from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with David Shand and friends. Head over to themorningmeetup.com. That's themorningmeetup.com. Like, I'm still in the venue, and I saw I missed the call. I'm like, oh, gosh, my BFF called me. And so we walk it out, and then uh, me and Donnie, were walking to the car, and I call him in the car, and um, he's still, like, asking me about my family. And what's your wife's name again? Say it again. Spell it. Andrea? Okay. And when's your, when's Psalm coming? When's your baby coming? I'm like, yo, this is incredible. He wants to mm-hmm. know about me. And he's, you know, inviting me to come down to his space, uh, the, the, the corporate office or whatever for Chick-fil-A. And then he says, hey, you know who you should interview? My friend. What's his name? David. So, David. I forget. Novak. Novak. So I Googled the guy. He's worth $4 billion. He's like, I was like, and I'm like, yeah, you think he'll do it? He said, uh, yeah, I'm sure he will. I'm like, all right, set it up, Dan. You're my best friend. Thank you. <laughs> but like, yo, for the, the experience of him um, being at another level, and it wasn't like... It's not like he's trying to run a play or like he doesn't need to speak to entrepreneurs. He don't even do it for himself. It's like some people want to be on stage because they're promoting a book or some initiative they're doing. And I'm like, do you do these speaking engagements that when I'm invited, I'll just come. And he's just so cool and gave me a glimpse of billionaire me. 
mm. that is willing to just walk through life and help people. He mm. creates this initiative where he knows all these people that are well-to-do, but he knows there are some community leaders that need the money that they have, the philanthropy, and he wants to help those community leaders in Atlanta and just wants to build Atlanta because this is his home. And it's like, he's not doing it for anything other than I want to help people. Mm-hmm. He's not afraid of anything. Mm-hmm. Shouts out to you, Dan. So this best friend thing, I'm just curious. Yeah, that's my guy. Okay. That's my guy. Well, I, look, here's that. Yo, can we, can, we, can we talk about this uh, generational wealth thing, though? Let's talk about it. Are we being inspired by Dan's message? Being inspired by Dan. Okay. Because he said so much that, let me just tell you, when he came on stage... um, Your light is on your back of your phone. Your light. Oh, thank you. When he came on stage, again, Dan walks around like just a super ordinary guy. So I'm sitting back in my seat and, you know, we respect what he and his family have been able to do. But I'm not necessarily in a take notes mode when I see Dan Cathy. I'm like, Honestly, I'm like, man, I wish Dave would have got this other interview, right? It would have been so much more powerful for the culture. I wish he had Tyler. (laughs) Um, And so Dan is talking and I'm sitting in my seat and I'm looking and I'm like, "Mm -hmm. that was good. He said something good. That was cool. Then he says something else. I'm like, man, wow, that was good too. And by the by, by two minutes in, I'm like, let me put my voice recorder on because he's talking <laughs> dirty. He's talking real. He's talking real smooth right now. So I'm 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 taking all these notes, and I just have all these notes um, from from the meeting. And there were so many points. We don't even have enough time to cover all the points. But you asked him a question, something related to you know you're building this family business. How do you keep everybody kind of in alignment and getting along and not arguing over who's next and who's going to get what and all this stuff. And Dan said, well, first of all, one of our family's core values, and it's just an understood thing, is that we're committed to getting along. Mm. I have core values in my life, relationship, business, right? I've established these core values and many people may have them and it may look something like you know, loyalty is something regarding loyalty. It's something regarding honor, honesty, and trust. But if you're struggling at a thing, like if you know, again, that 78% of families fail at this thing, let's fix the thing. What do most people not do? Get along. So implementing this as a core value, because when you identify something as a core value, you typically will do everything in your power to honor it. Like if it's core value for you to do date night with Dre one day a week, it's a value. It's a core value. We're going to do it. So that was really, really important. Like when you talk about getting back to the basics, this was a really, really basic, basic, just commit to getting along. Number one, he said, we're going to be committed to getting along. Uh, We're going to respect each other. The family understands the foundation of our values and of our business. He knew to the T that there were 67 people currently in his lineage. He knew and understood that in our generational tree right now, there's 67 of us. How many people do you have in your family right now? Who knows? Anybody here knows? He knew down to how many people were expecting new children and new babies to come in. In the fourth generation. In the fourth generation. Like, yo, we got two more that just came into the fourth generation and the three generations. Like, it's, yo, it's, it's wild. Who knows this information? But, This is what made it really real for me. You're talking about building a family business and you're not even clear on your family structure. That's a problem. (laughs) 
to me, that was like, hold on, Donnie. So now it's important for me to understand who's in our family. He also talked about, um, God, I wish I could go through all of these things. Okay, so you asked him, Dave, how do you know when it's time to pass the torch, right? When it's time to pass the company on. And he says so much here in this segment that it's just a lot. Number one, Dan said that you don't have a choice in ownership. You were born into this. You're going to be getting, the Kathy name gives you ownership. So you're a Kathy, you're a Kathy, you're a Kathy. And whatever they have worked out for family ownership, you get that. You don't have a choice. You bumped into this ownership, whether you like it or not. But you do get to choose your role in leadership and management. This was powerful because essentially what he's saying is, just because you were born with my last name doesn't mean that you're qualified to run this company and we're not going to risk the integrity of our family business just because you inherited. What's up, podcaster or soon-to-be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know, ATL, baby. Atlanta, Georgia, going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you, rub shoulders with industry leaders and you got to network with other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code Big Deal. It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people to listen to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you 
No right now, yet. You got time, no pressure, you get us back. But use that code big deal. That triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free. So don't wait. Secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country. Join us July 4th and 5th in Atlanta. Let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality, y'all. Head over to podcastsummit.com. Use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal my last name so that means that you may own part of this entity nobody knows who you are but sheila and Keisha and, and Bob are going to be the faces of this. And in order to do that, he said, first, they have to discover their calling and express a significant interest in the family business. Wow. We're not asking you. We're, <laughs> this isn't how that works. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking you if you want to do this. You had to have been expressing to me for a lengthy period of time that this is something you're interested in. You have to have sincere curiosity about how the family business works or you're not even considered a candidate. Yeah. For leadership. For sure. That's important. So many of us, ourselves included, would love for our kids to take over in leadership, but maybe they just get ownership. Maybe they get a role that's not necessarily leadership. Maybe they get a, a seat to be in the room at board meetings, but they don't get a voting seat. They don't get a board member vote, you know, with, with voting privileges seat. We have to start looking at these things differently because we emotionally pass on to our children what we want them to have based on our own goals for them. That's why these companies are not succeeding past the second level of generational wealth. That was just like, mind yeah, the, the The whole conversation was crazy. I got to, okay, it's not this conversation, but I went to LA uh, earlier this week. I think I was there earlier this week. But, uh, we were there. You were there, right, Reese? Were you Earlier in LA? Week. Was I in LA when we went to the Alexandria house? You were there, right? Yo, so we go to Alexandria. I don't even know if this has anything to do with anything, but <laughs> we go to this. Uh, it's like a women's. I don't. I don't want to use the word shelter, but it's a house where mm -hmm. women who are in just you know find themselves in tough situations they go to, and they take care of them, mm -hmm. right in LA. <sighs> So they take people in. It, the The culture is so amazing that the people that lead, like, you know, you kind of come in in a tough situation, kind of they help you, job, stuff like that, and you leave a better person or in a better situation, rather. And a lot of those people come back to help out the new people that are in the home. Oh, mm -hmm. And we're walking through this building that they bought that's behind these two houses. They got two houses, and it's a building that they bought behind the two houses, and they're doing renovation. And... I think I just asked how much was the building. I think it was like $9 million. It was like $9 million, Reese, something like that. They bought the building for $9 million. Mm -hmm. But she's going through and she's talking about, yo, rents are normally, rents in this area are this, but we're only charging $700 or $850 for a two-bedroom in LA. But we keep walking around. She's like, oh, this two-bedroom, we, we, we're charging about $700 or $800, something like that. So I'm walking. And the math ain't mathing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's a bunch of it's a bunch of rooms in this building, and I'm calculating nine million dollars for this building. 
your mortgage got to be this. Mm-hmm. Ain't but this many rooms here. At $700, entrepreneurial Dave says, where the money at? This math don't make sense. Right, so right. I ask in a very uh, un... What? Un what? Unfiltered? Un, not unfiltered. Unabrasive, maybe? Unabrasive way. Maybe. Let's see what you said. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just asked. I said, okay, so... How much? How much the mortgage? This because that'd be nine million dollars, and I was like, you know, the he rooms asked with no shame. The rooms ain't <laughs> that much. Like, like, so how do we? Is how do we make the money? Where's the money? Yeah, where's the money? Where's the? What's the business model here? No, yeah, I, I'm looking for the business model. Yeah. and she said, oh well, we got donors and we paid for it. Like people gave the money to buy this building to be able to give, like, really cheap rent for people that are in situations like that. Mm. And I'm still trying to understand the play. Oh, taxes. Taxes. This is tax. Oh, you run a nonprofit. You take a loss. You get the money. It's a play. So we keep going through the conversation, and the main lady leaves. I've got her name. Do you remember the lady's name, Reese? The the main lady, Judy. Madam? Judy and Pam. Oh, yeah, damn. so Judy is the the owner of it, and um, she's she had to run to a meeting or whatever. She's like, "Yo, pleasure meeting y'all," because we're walking around. Shouts out to Big Ray; he's he kind of like ushered us in there. So she leaves, and the lady said something like, "You know, yeah, Judy, she's incredible. She's our you know our founder or whatever." And I'm like, "Oh, she bred it up. She don't look like she got a whole lot of bread, but that's how they do when they multi millionaires and yeah. all that." That's what they do when they about to touch a billy. Yo, he said, well, she was a nun and she took a vow of poverty. Oh, wow. She took a vow of po- I've never, ever heard that. A day of my life. She took a vow of poverty. Meaning, mm-hmm. her, like, her relationship was God, with God says, I take a vow of poverty. I am not going to make no money. Like, I am going to give it all away and my life is going to be used. And she's like, she was telling me, and this lady, I don't know, she had to be 70-something years old, older. The lady was telling, Lady Pam, she's telling us like, yeah, she's been locked up over 100 times. Locked up? Her, Judy? <laughs> locked Judy? up? He's like, yes, she she's a fighter. Like, she fights for what's right. And her whole life is made up of helping people, doing what's right, and being selfless. She took a vow of poverty. Mm-hmm. So no matter how much money her nonprofit does, or it's all done for the good. There's no play being run here. Mm. And it took me a little while to wrap my mind around that. Mm-hmm. But then I got really excited when I understood it, that everybody does not look at life the same way. Yeah. Not everybody is interested in wealth financially because financial abundance to them isn't success. Yeah. There are people who really are servant leaders, even at their own detriment. Mm. And uh, and they will, that there are real, I will give you the shirt off of my back people mm. out there. I'll give you my, my undershirt, I'm sure, but I can't just walk around fully exposed. Right. Like, you know what I mean? I think, Donnie, I think you should do that. Give someone the shirt Be off. Be none. <laughs> Val of poverty and celibacy. Val of poverty and celibacy? I think that'll be good for you. For the month of September? 
And even then, (laughs) even then, yeah, no, I mean, I don't even know if I admire that, but I certainly find it interesting. It is very interesting. Yeah, it's not like I I want to be it. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't desire to be it. Right. I hope it is my hope that I am honoring God's purpose for my life Mm -hmm. in my way that I'm intended to do it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably why uh, God has never exposed me to an opportunity to become a nun because it was just <laughs> be yeah, Let me difficult. not even show her this. because Let's she not even expose. <laughs> let's not even give her too much information about it, right? Uh, because it might be a little too much for her to handle. Um, <laughs> I, I, I did think that was interesting, though. Yeah. Can, I, would I any too. of you, like, like can, can you imagine? I know you wouldn't. Okay, because you run, you run, you run into plays, and we're gonna talk about that one, one episode. But um, a vow of poverty. Anybody interested? Dave has a connect. I I can plug you in with the nun spot. No, no. But that is commendable. It, it does show that like everybody's on their own path. Not everybody, and this this is like the major point. Not everybody is going after money. But on the other side, not everybody's going after happiness. Some people do not desire to be happy. I don't know that I've ever met a person who's verbally expressed that they don't desire to be happy. But I do meet people all the time that gets in the way of their own happiness. Like, and it's got to be intentional at this point. Like, you have a problem for every solution. A problem for every solution. Like, do you want to be happy? I do see those people that I feel like you just can't possibly desire to be happy yeah. with your attitude, with your mindset, with the way that you wake up and approach life every single day. But I've never heard anybody say, I just don't want to be happy. Yeah. I don't think you'll, they'll say it, but I think if you, if you follow them throughout their life, there's some people that... Uh, any type of good thing happens, they automatically reject it or look at it as no, I don't, I don't want that, or I don't, I don't believe that this is for me. Kind of, y- y'all know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like there's some, like if you look at people's lives, just the decisions that they make, like they're they're automatically make they're making decisions that they know aren't going to serve them. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Mm. So to that point, Tyler Perry at InvestFest this past weekend said something that, that was really profound. Um, he talked about also generational wealth. And we are in a space where more 
seven figure and eight figure income earners have been created in the last two years than like ever before. Mm -hmm. And even even a higher number in the black community. Right. But we fall into these guilt traps that we place on ourselves, feeling like now that I make six figures or seven figures or whatever, now I immediately have to start changing the lives or contributing to the lives of the people around us. Mm -hmm. He basically said, you know, we start making six figures, high level six figures and seven figures. And now we're looking for somebody to take care of because we feel guilty otherwise. So now we're taking care of sisters and, you know, siblings and parents. And when we really should be having a discussion of, I know you see things changing financially around me, but I have to reinvest this money this way. Number one, you don't even owe anybody an explanation. But if you feel like you do for guilt purposes, we have to get really good at saying, I can't do X, Y, and Z with this money because you got to remember that most of the people that you're having to support don't understand what you should be doing with money. They just feel like if you made a million dollars, you at least got 200,000 to spend on them. Mm -hmm. Well, if you made a million, you could give me 200 easy. Well, no, let me explain to you why I can't. Because number one, a million dollars isn't a million dollars. After taxes, it's closer to $500,000, right? A little bit more. But let's just, for easy math, it's closer to $500,000. Now, most of these digital entrepreneurs today, you have to keep up a certain image and look a certain way. So there's another $150,000 just on your posture and how you present yourself to the world. And then there's actually running the business. So after that, there's very little left. And we have to detach ourselves from this concept that we should feel guilty if we can't immediately start taking care of people. But if there are people at the same time that are important to you that you actually do desire to take care of, we have to learn how to have difficult conversations. And those difficult conversations may have to say, I know you see me celebrating making a million dollars, but it's going to be a good three to five years before I can change your life. It's going to be a good three to five years, mom, before I can retire you. Or it's going to be a good three to five years before I can do X, Y, and Z because I have to multiply what's left of this money so that it's not just taking care of you from month to month, but I can position us to take care of you and us for the rest of our lives. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. This is such a, man, such an interesting conversation. Yeah. Around like the thoughts of money. And I think what I'm going to say right now is simply for an Instagram clip because I thought about it while you were saying. So Yanni, when you see this, just take whatever I say after that and you put it together as a reel and it's going to do a bunch of views. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> I, okay, now I got to say it with the same intensity, okay? Um, as if it was natural. Um, okay, so... <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so, the, so the lady, Judy, she's a nun and she took a vow of poverty. But I think there's a lot of people who also taking that vow of poverty. The decisions that you make. You don't want to make money. You're being lazy. You took a vow of poverty. See, it's not the same. It's not going to sound the same. I had a bar right? <laughs> they didn't. Now, now let, me, let, me, let me say this. So, hey, who's... Okay. Dave, you you got to stop it, Dottie. You got to chill out. You, you, you told a really good story. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, I want oh, to... Reese. You going to steal my bar. There you go. You told a very powerful story. You told the story earlier in this interview about the nun who took a vow of poverty, right? And... You don't have to be a nun to own that same vow. I feel like so many people, including some of you who are watching this clip, 
have taken a vow of poverty, not even really understanding it. Meaning, you have been suffering and struggling all this time and you own that moment of poverty. You're not doing anything about it. You're not putting yourself in a position to dig yourself out of this hole. You've taken a vow of poverty. Or you could be in a completely different situation where now you're making seven figures. Now you're making multiple six figures, but your spending habits and your mindset around money are still so poor that you're still owning your own poverty. And now you have to look at yourself and you have to ask yourself, am I taking a vow of poverty without any help? Like I'm committing all on my own, all on my own to this vow of poverty or, or, is my commitment to abundance. Let you get your bars off. Y'all want to clap it up? And in. <laughs> and stop clip. <laughs> stop clip there. You can go ahead and insert the last 45 seconds. I did the viral piece. <laughs> I'm going viral. Oh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Donnie, I love you so much. You I love that? you, too. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Yes, this um, has been great. This has been great. A couple of questions, maybe two, three. Yeah, a couple of questions. It's uh, 2.40. Yeah, 240. Time for We're good to go. Two. All right, let's do it. Uh, questions, questions, comments, concerns. Let's do it. Hi, Emily. Hey, Emily. Y'all together? I saw them get out of the car together. Okay. Don't I'm saying. Y'all, y'all like, close friends? Y'all Are y'all together? friends that go out on dinner dates? Where did y'all come okay. from together, though? That's the real, because it was the morning, huh? Oh, okay. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> I'll oh, see so you were at your house. He was at y'all in several houses. And y'all just met here. Yeah, I saw them get out of the same car today for sure. Oh. But it was kind of like a little sneaky link because he got out of the car like maybe 30 sneaky seconds first. And I saw him do the slow turnaround. Like you come in, like walk in though. Like we're not together, but we are together. She's turning red, Dottie. Leave her alone. <laughs> Leave her alone. <laughs> Y'all cute or whatever. Y'all, Y'all cute or whatever. Y'all cute couple, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nope. I think, I, I don't, it would be if that wasn't who I am mm-hmm. and I'm trying to portray a certain thing. Like, if you ask anybody that's around me, like, Reese is around me all the time. I don't think he'd say I'm any different behind the camera or in front of the camera or I don't think Donnie would say that that you know he's way different or mm-hmm. we know his motives are different um I think I am blessed to have have been I, I, I remember vividly working at the Cheesecake Factory and the feelings of um like wanting to get out and there were a few people that helped me and you know I went and seeked out information and I just made great relationships and things of that nature so it's not that even like saying for the people makes me feel like I'm not the people. I just love people. Mm. I'm not for the people. I am a person and right. you're a person and I, I and you I, love us. I love people. Yeah. Now yeah. Oh, I'm I'm curious because you were very intentional about only asking David that question. Yeah, I, I knew you were Am I the entrepreneur the that you are suggesting? <laughs> I'm just trying to see where we're going with this. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> no, it's not true. That was going to A little elaboration yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't think that, that is a really good question, though. Um, but I think as you, like, grow, 
And you, um, as you're growing, just grow being you, mm-hmm. not necessarily trying to be like somebody else. You know what I mean? So the lifestyle marketing thing, I was, I was seeing that growing up, like coming up as an entrepreneur. I'm like, maybe I should try to do that stuff. But it didn't feel right. It didn't feel, it didn't feel right because it's almost like I, I actually feel, I, I feel bad when other people don't have the things that I have and I put it in their face. Right. So it, it took it took me a little while to get like watches and stuff. And it took me a little while on the chain thing, but I always wanted a chain. So it's like this is kind of some of the stuff for me. But my boy Neil, he always was like, yo, you need to get you a Lambo. And I'm like, I wouldn't feel comfortable. Cause now people are looking at me like I'm bigger than somebody else. Or I'm I or in my own mind, I feel that way. You know what I mean? So as you're as you're growing, I want you to just be yourself. Do the things that you like. And some people are for the money. They go for the money because their major focus is building their family and their generation. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sell courses. I'm going to do speaking. I am for the money. I'm not necessarily trying to mentor nobody and coach nobody because I'd have to spend time with you and then spend time with you and spend time with you. And I'd rather spend time with my kids and my family and building my generation. So it's it's just like the young lady took a vow of poverty. Like that is what she wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's no like right or wrong or anything like that or or good or bad. Um, but everybody has their cup of tea. There's going to be a person that's all for the money and there's somebody who doesn't have any and them seeing me doesn't inspire them to go get it. Mm. Seeing this person, this, this is what's going to help me dig my way out of my situation because I want to be that. I like that flash. I want that. Mm-hmm. So... Good Anybody question. else? Very right good here. question. I think we have yes. maybe one more question. Before, one more question. Very first minute. As a child. <laughs> I definitely know mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would also say, um, I would say my parents as a unit, but especially my stepfather was likely my very first mentor um, because he was really responsible for assisting me on my educational journey and really, really, really teaching life principles that are with me today. And my mom was such a go-getter coming up. Like I really admired how she would go and get all these licenses and certifications for different things and start businesses. And so I learned from him how to be a very, very critical yet literal practical thinker And I learned from my mom how to take risks. So those things that they taught me very early on, like I learned from my mom to like, go up, go for it. Don't settle. He was really, my stepfather is, who is like, who is my dad? So anytime you hear me say my dad, that's him. I just don't want to confuse you guys. So I'm saying stepfather. My dad though is very practical, very literal. And he was an amazing employee. I don't remember that he really expressed much, much interest in, 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 entrepreneurship. He's very structured and systematic. My mom, on the other hand, is very kind of a risk taker and very bold. And especially at that time when I was growing up and she would try anything once and figure out how to make it work. And so today I would have to say that they were my first real role models. Like, Hopefully this is the last time you hear this ad. With Chime Checking Account, features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit. 
you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts, or at least grab an extra latte. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. That's chime.com slash goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details. In the home. Yeah, my uh, my first mentor is definitely my dad, man. He was so smart and just a brilliant, brilliant man. And just, I remember just the experiences because I knew, I knew he loved me. You know what I mean? I knew he didn't want anything from me. Like my dad was... 100%, like, just some of the lessons, and I talk about it a lot, that anytime I asked him a question, he would never answer it with an answer. He'd always answer it with a question because he wanted me to think. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's always like, well, what do you think? And I'm like, Dad, just, if I knew the answer, I wouldn't be asking you, right? It, but he would always, like, lead me to the, eventually I'd have to point at it and say, that one. Mm-hmm. You know, just give me, like, this nod of approval. Mm-hmm. Or I was I, I I played a basketball game and I won the game, but he noticed that um, even when I went to my left side, I laid it up with my right hand. So he had me like he would tie my hand behind my back, my right hand, and had me dribbling up and down the street with my left hand. I didn't appreciate it at the moment though. I didn't, I didn't understand what he was saying. He's saying I see something that you don't. You're happy you won the game, but I think you have you could have done better. I think you could be great. I'm happy in the fact that we won. He's saying you could have won by 30. Like, you are special. One thing he told me one day, and I'll never forget it. He said, I want you to be the best at whatever you do. He said, I don't know what path you're going to go down. But if you decide to sell drugs, be the best drug dealer that you know. Mm. He said it with a straight face. He said, "I, I don't want you to go down that path. But if that's what you decide to do, be a kingpin. You're not a peddler, son. You're not a foot soldier. And he just kept, he kept pushing that stuff in me. So as I'm growing, I started like feeling, and I'm like even getting chills right now. It's like, he made me feel, he made me feel 10 feet tall. Yeah. He just kept pushing it. And I think even when he passed, I think I lost that. You know what I mean? I lost that because it just, growing, he just gave me so much confidence. So that was my first mentor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, my dad was dope. So, um, yes. Let me just stop you real quick. Just because of time, she's been trying to get a question. Let's let's let her get this one yeah. in before we get your second in. Nope, we're going to get straight to yours. David has to go. <laughs> it's like, yo, I love your shoes. Yours are nice, too. <laughs> That is a fact. That's a word. That's a word. Yes, 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 yes. All right. Um, I wish we could take multiple questions and even touch your question. We can't after, though, but uh, David has to run. So let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. All right, I'll do it. Well, uh, this episode is sponsored. (laughs) Send me a text message. You got my number? Do y'all have my number? I'm going to give you my number, okay? 404-737-4444. 
888-444-4935. We are going to be doing some amazing things. And there's two groups of people that I take care of. One is the morning meetup and two, the people that are in my community. So like my text group, you're going to see everything first. Morning meetup, you're going to see everything first, first before the rest of the world gets to first. And then the world sees it. But uh, send me a text message. We would love to have you in the morning meetup, themorningmeetup.com. It's the only organization gathers every single day to help you as an entrepreneur. You're going through some things. And it's not the things that I teach that are going to be the most important things in the morning meetup and your decision to join. It's actually the other thousand people that are in the morning meetup that you are going to collaborate with and connect with and be inspired by and use resources and trade resources and the people that's going to buy your stuff and you're going to buy them. We have literally built one of the strongest communities I've ever seen in my life. So go to themorningmeetup.com. Try it out. It's $79. I guarantee that first week, you will say this is worth way more than $79. You get on the right call, you're going to say, yo, this was worth the price of admission. And what people don't even know is like the studio audience is all comprised of people that are in the city that are in the morning meetup. So I announced it. Yo, if I'm going to be here, meet me here. You get to listen to the conversation. Be in the room with me. So themorningmeetup.com, it'll be the the best decision you've made. Um besides what Donnie's going to talk about. <laughs> this episode is, uh, thank you for the setup for oh sure. Gosh. This episode is also brought to you by, you know what? I'm going to do the same thing because that's what I always do. And I'm you your copy mentor. me, right? I'm your mentor. You're my, you are my coach. <laughs> I want you guys to text me too. I want you guys to text me too. So if y'all don't have my number, pull your phone out. Text me 404 737 2767. I'm going to say that one more time. 404-737-2767. Y'all can just text me, hey girl. Uh, so I support digital entrepreneurs who help their clients or customers get transformation. So that might look like uh, a coach or a consultant, a course creator, you name it. I help to develop and scale your business to six or seven figures, depending on where you are. So if you text me, you're not sure how we can work together, but you know that I'm your girl. Send me a text. We'll help you get pointed in the right direction. Uh, or you can go to sixfigureedu.com. That's S-I-X, figureedu.com. But even better than what David and I just talked about individually, there's an opportunity for you to holla at us both. Holla at us. Everywhere you, anywhere you at. Too. Anywhere you, anywhere you are at. Nebraska, you in California, you in Canada, you in Iraq, Israel. I mean... Anywhere. I'll just, just shoot stuff off. I mean, but you okay. could also Iraq, be in Nigeria. Yeah. You can be in Ethiopia. You can be anywhere in the world. You're deciding, you know what? There's some really cool entrepreneurs. Yep. Pretty successful. I'd love to pick their brains. 100%. You don't have to take us for a cup of coffee. Nope. They can't take us out to lunch. It's over. But you absolutely can pick our brain. Just go to www.brainpickerpodcast.com www.brainpickerpodcast.com and find out how you can pick our brains live on that series of our podcast in front of a live audience. Get the information that you need, all the nuggets, and in front of people who are ready to support your business. Brainpickerpodcast.com. And with yeah. that said... Yeah, subscribe. Please share this with a friend of a friend of a friend. Please like, subscribe on all platforms. We love you. We appreciate you. And we out. We are out. Bye. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too. If you feel symptoms, even if they're mild, you should test fast. 
Test positive and at high risk for severe COVID-19? Then act fast with authorized oral treatments that can be taken at home and must be taken within five days from when symptoms begin. COVID-19 moves fast. And now you can too by asking your healthcare provider if an oral treatment is right for you. Learn about a treatment option at treatcv19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer.